Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode number 52, and if you can't already tell, this is Jack along with Kendall. Uh, It's just going to be us two flying solo this evening, so uh, what we're going to do, we're going to do a quick recap of Texas, jump into Kansas State, uh, see what we can bring forth to you uh, for the upcoming game this weekend in Manhattan. Going to be an 11 a.m. kick on everyone's favorite, ESPN+. So... uh, We'll get into that here in a bit, um, but first we're going to start off the show uh, with our last comment uh, on the drama, really, that came about after the Texas game. Um, we have obviously all seen the videos, uh, both videos of um, a most likely intoxicated, stupid uh, tech fan uh, pushing a UT player. Uh, it is obviously the stance of our podcast and our website uh that there's no room for this no place for this uh on the field uh if getting to rush the field is a luxury and if we want to uh be able to continue doing so uh that has no place uh, on the field also um we did post an article uh about the second video that came to light of what appeared to be a UT player uh shoving a Texas Tech female student age uh, individual. Uh, We did offer a uh, retraction and a uh, disclaimer. Um, I, along with uh, the two editors of the site, felt that the um, article should have stood in merit alone um, because the article itself was not really about the video or the Texas player, really, so to speak. It was about uh, uh, the arrogance of the fan base of Texas. And so we felt like the article could have stood. But um, after all was said and done, uh, we went ahead as a site and as a company decided to uh, take the article down. Uh, With that being said, um, Macon is not here. And uh, he has asked me to... Um, reiterate the fact that Burn Orange Nation and uh, Westcott can all go suck it. Um, he asked me to say those words explicitly. Um, also, I would like to pass on the same sentiment. Um, they don't know a thing about Lubbock. They don't know a thing about Texas Tech. Uh, they want to act like they do, um, but obviously they don't. They're going to preach at you about class uh, when they don't have any. 
um, and just stuff like that. Uh, also, it's pretty interesting because literally the day after Texas got back to Austin, a uh, a player for the University of Texas was arrested by the Texas campus police department and uh, has been suspended indefinitely from the program. Um, he has two prior arrests. This would be the third strike for him. Uh, two prior arrests. Yes, you heard that right. Uh, from a program preaching at you about class. Um, he has an outstanding court case in Oklahoma still. Uh, while he was at Oklahoma State, or I guess visiting, or he might have been a player there, I'm not really sure, don't really care. Uh, but he decided to uh, send around an explicit video of him and a female. Uh, you know, I'll leave the uh, language and the, um, you know, you can fill in the blank there. Uh, decided to videotape the act and uh, send them around. Uh, so the girl filed criminal charges. That case is still outstanding in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, on Monday, he was arrested for assaulting his girlfriend and interfering with a 911 call placed by said girlfriend uh, to the police. So he was arrested for that as well. Um, again, this is the third time he's been arrested. And... Uh, Again, this is from a, an athletics department that wants to preach at you about class. Uh, this is also an athletics department that has a team um, that currently, as, as far as we all know, uh, the basketball program that still has Arterio Morris as a student athlete. So um, I don't want to hear anything from anyone about class from a university that has that type of people on their roster. Um, so again, we'll leave it at that. Uh, I'm sure, and I know I am, I know Kendall is, and I know everyone at the site is, I'm ready to move on from this, uh, this stuff, this drama, and I'll call it what it is lightly, this bullshit, um, out of the city of Austin. And, uh, we're going to move on because we're one to know in the big 12 and Kendall, I just want to open this up to you. Um, let's talk game for once. Let's talk about this game. And, man, what a game. I was there. It was the energy from the crowd was crazy. 37-34 uh, in OT. Um, you know, if you would have told me that B, if we would have gotten to overtime, even a loss, I would have been happy with. But if you would have told me we would win in overtime, I'd be happy. I probably wouldn't have believed you if... You told me that Bijan Robinson was going to fumble on the first play of overtime uh, and give us the ball back in order to uh, win the ball game. Um, crazy set of events, really, for them to even push it to overtime. It was uh, like a 20-second drive down the field for them to kick a field goal and push it to overtime. Um, but let's just start from the beginning. Uh, you know, Tech struggled on defense in the first half, probably one of their worst defensive halves of football this season. But again, this is something that we've talked about uh, repeatedly on this podcast is that, you know, the adjustments that are being made at half, they're being made and they're being put into effect immediately. It's not like something you see at halftime and uh, you know, maybe a couple of weeks down, and you're like, oh, there, there are those adjustments. You know, it's happening immediately, and they're sticking with them, and it's making differences in these ball games. 
you know, Texas only scored 10 points after halftime, um, whereas Tech scored 23. So uh, I want to hear from you. How did you feel about the defensive play uh, in this first game or in this uh, first half? Um, I felt that overall – it was it like you said. It was really bad to start. Um, we were giving them a lot of like short dump off passes. Just they were moving up and down the field, really with uh, no pushback. It was it was really frustrating. I think for everyone to watch, it just felt like we weren't gonna be able to stop them. Um, I obviously that's how I felt watching at home, and I guarantee just about everyone in the stadium that's how they felt. Like it kind of felt like. Um, we were watching the old Texas Tech for a little bit there, like with the fact that um, we couldn't stop them. It felt like we were just giving them everything. It felt like 10 to 15 yard chunk plays every play, whether they were running it or passing it. We made we were making Hudson Card look like he was like prime Colt McCoy out there to start. And then, um, but like you kind of preached on, I, I didn't necessarily even feel like there were obviously a ton of it halftime adjustments but overall i think that even after the first quarter there were quite a few adjustments for tech to kind of you know not necessarily keep it close just like to hang in there though um i felt that they were really um they were fighting that defense it was hot out there uh it's it's really hard when it's that hot to just stay consistent on defense but i felt that um, as bad as they were playing, they stayed strong and kept us in the game enough to where, you know, we could make a lot of adjustments at halftime, like you said. And overall, I, I was I was pretty annoying at first, but they really shaped it out there as the half kind of continued. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I can I can attest for the fact that it was hot. It was extremely hot. Um, I would like to give props to everyone that sat on the east side of the stadium that stayed the whole game because uh, I sat on the west side in uh, section nine, kind of down towards the north end zone. And man, I, I when that shade finally came for for my section, I was overjoyed. Um, so let's let's look at the offense uh, for the first half. Two huge drives. Uh, I think it was 17 or 18 plays and then another 12 plays or 13 plays. Uh, so long drives, killing the game of time of possession, um, not really something we're used to seeing. Where I, I would say that we're uh, more used to seeing the uh, ways in which Texas score, you know, kind of quick, uh, not necessarily deep, but kind of lulling people to sleep and then hitting the big play deep. I think this showed a um, kind of a different element of our game, being able to sit there and run as many plays as we did and control that clock. Um, I mean, what stuck out to you about uh, those couple drives that kind of really set the tone for this game? Um, I think Zach Kitley was doing a really good job of uh, keeping Donovan just comfortable. Um, if you noticed especially going back and watching it a second time. A lot of Donovan's dropbacks, they were just a one- to two-step drop, and he was getting rid of the ball quick. There was a lot of you know quick under routes. That That's kind of how those drives started. And really, I felt that a lot of the shots that came 
were really just off of like offside penalties and stuff. We weren't really making Donovan force anything. And um, even when we got down, uh, the offense didn't panic and they were just keeping the game simple. And that's ultimately kind of what won us this game. But especially those first couple of drives, uh, like you said, I think the first drive alone was like 17 plays, which that's kind of, you know, in the past for tech football, that something like that is really unheard of. And especially last after the last game against NC State, um, the offense, it didn't seem like they could sustain a drive, much less have that type, like these types of drives that we saw to start the game. Um, you know, the big thing was also they didn't um, go away from the run game, not only with uh, Taj Brooks and Roderick Thompson, but also Donovan. There was He got a lot of opportunities to make some reads and just make plays with his feet, and he did that very effectively, and that's what won us this game, in my opinion, was Donovan's ability to be, you know, that strong quarterback on third and one, fourth and one. Um, Kitley felt very confident just giving him the ball, and having him just kind of power his way through, which, I, I mean, it really worked. I think that's how we scored our first touchdown. Um, it's how we got multiple conversions was him just being a big-bodied quarterback that was able to be tougher than the Texas guy that was lined up across from him uh, at the sticks. And uh, that was kind of just – Donovan Smith was obviously the difference maker in this game for Tech, and he – there was a lot of people that questioned, you know, his consistency and if he was able to perform in this spot. And I was one of those people that was questioning, you know, what he, you know, after watching the NC State game, it's like, you know, can he, is he ready for this type of spotlight? Well, I think against Texas, he not only proved he was ready, but he proved that um, he can be, you know, a good big 12 quarterback. And he definitely, I feel like, won us this game and really he kept us in this game just by helping us sustain some drives and uh move the ball even if a lo- some of those drives didn't result in points i agree um i want to talk about a little bit while we're still talking about first half and offense um miles price miles price i mean let's go ahead and open up for the full game miles price uh you know 13 catches 98 yards um, got him going really early, got him a lot of balls early, and uh, he kind of set the tone for himself uh, throughout this game. Uh, you know, we had talked about at times the offensive play calling was kind of struggling to get the playmakers the ball at certain times. We talked about it after the NC State game about how we needed the running, or we would like the running backs to get more touches. Um, they got that in this game. I think Sir, Sir Roderick Thompson had 17 carries. Taj Brooks had 12. Uh, again, you're kind of riding the hot hand. There were a lot of uh, big third down carries that Taj Brooks had, where he would just fight off contact and and get that first down, which was which was huge. Um, I think that they made it a an obvious point to get the ball of their playmakers a lot more. Um, over this and, and it was really nice to see yeah i um i think that not only like they were they getting the ball in their playmakers hands but they weren't like forcing it to them um that was just one big thing 
that like Miles Price had 13 catches, but not once did I feel like, you know, Donovan took too big of a risk trying to get him the ball. And like, um, you know, we tried to scheme some uh, some screens for Thompson and Brooks, and it didn't really work at all. Um, our offensive line still looked shaky at times, and especially when we tried to set up screens, that's still something that needs to be worked on. But, um, you know, we did get them the ball in more ways than one. Um, and one thing we talked about a lot getting ready for this game was how can we get the tight ends more involved? And Baylor Cup, I mean, he was awesome. Like, he only had four catches for 66 yards and a touchdown, but really those four catches were what kept Tech in the game. When we were down 31-17, to 17, he kind of just – went off for a little bit, especially on that, uh, on the drive that got at 31 to 24. Um, he was a really big part, just getting wide open and, uh, kind of, there was a couple, like two of his catches were, you know, short passes where he caught it and ran. And there was also some down the field, but he was just getting open. He was showing, you know, glimpses of that five-star talent that he has. And, um, that was just really awesome to see. And, um, I also just want to point out Donovan, and his uh, his his IQ was really on display a lot in this game. Uh, you know, he he drew Texas offsides multiple times, and each time he did, he was t- he took a shot. And both times, it either or there's two times in particular, it, it one ended in a pass interference, and the other ended in a big catch get us down inside the ten yard line. So, um, just overall, the offense just looked leaps and bounds better than it did. Uh, against NC State, which, I mean, that wasn't going to be too hard to do. We looked awful against NC State, but it was really good to see them bounce back after a tough game like that. I don't know how many Tech teams um, of the Matt Wells era or even the Cliff era would bounce back like that after the way they lost, but um, the new culture was really on display um, just with how determined they – even when they went down – uh, 14, went down 10 at halftime. This team never quit. They really put their head down and wanted to compete. And this team very easily could have gave up after that 40-yard touchdown by Bijan Robinson in the second half. Um, you know, the way it was going, um, there was a lot of drives that felt like it was do or die. But they really just kind of performed. And I want to give a shout-out to the defense, too. Uh, they, especially that second half, um, they put their feet down, and besides that forty-yard run by Bijan, they were not giving up much. Uh, you know, and that drive was only kept alive by the fact that there wasn't a very obvious intentional grounding penalty. If that, if they get that call, I really don't even think that uh forty-yard Bijan Robinson run happens. So, in reality, I think in regulation, uh, like especially that second half, they were just amazing besides like Texas getting gifted a couple couple things um that they they performed the pass rush you know when you look at the stat sheet the pass rush didn't necessarily um like they don't come out on the stat sheet but there was a lot of pressure even with just three man rushes which was really nice to see it was a really good change of pace from what we've seen in the past uh I know we talked about it a lot last season but just like watching uh, send a three-man rush and get zero pressure and giving, you know, what seemed like an eternity to other 
quarterbacks in the pocket. That's definitely not what happened. Uh, Hudson Card at times was running for his life. And credit to him, he did make some plays with his feet. Uh, that's something that needs to be worked on, especially with Adrian Martinez coming up. But the defense just in general, that second half, I really felt that they looked like an elite defense and they looked like one of the best defenses in the Big 12. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think that it can't be uh, understated uh, just how big this defense has come through this year. Just how uh, just how big they've been in games, uh, in games that we weren't really playing our best on offense. You know, they've kept us in pretty much every game all season. Uh, they definitely kept us in the game for as long as they could. Uh, against North Carolina State. They kept us in the game when we kind of went flat a little bit in the Houston game. Uh, I never really truly felt like we went flat necessarily in this game. Um, I just think that there were some some well-coached drives for Texas on D, uh, and there were some well-coached uh, offensive drives for Tech at the same time as well. Um can't under again. Can I want to shine again on the fumble in overtime? Uh, Christian Merriweather forcing that fumble. Uh, Reggie Pearson recovering it. Uh, two guys that really embody everything that the Texas Tech defense is about. Um, older guys that uh, you know they have the experience. Reggie Pearson having a hell of a game. You know, also had the, had that pick on Hudson Card. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was in the stadium and I saw that, when I saw him throw that pick, it almost reminded me of that interception that Donovan Smith threw uh, last week against North Carolina, or two weeks ago, I should say, I guess, against North Carolina State. It, it was really underthrown. There was really kind of no one around, and uh, you kind of just were scratching your head after that. I know I was in the stands. I was kind of like, well, who was he, or like, where was he going with that? How did he. Uh, you know, he put way too much air under it. It got picked easily. And uh, it was just really cool to see uh, Reggie Pearson have that good of a game. Uh, Kittle, I'll go ahead and get your final thoughts on this one. Um, you know, it could be anything. Trey Wolf having a hell of a game from the kicking aspect. Uh, you know, you had Pearson Jr. with two turnovers. Uh I mean, there is a lot of good, there's a lot of good in this game. Um, I I really like what you said about the tight ends. It seems like there was a more conscious effort in this game to get the tight ends involved. And look what happened. You know, Baylor Cup had a coming out game against Texas. Uh, had those four catches, like you mentioned, that touchdown uh, tied the game at at 31. Uh, or yeah, or at yeah, 31. I think in the uh, in the fourth quarter. So uh, just a huge uh, game. And uh, I do want to touch on Donovan's uh, football IQ on those, on the two times where uh, they drew Texas off sides and he just immediately throws deep because he knows he has a free play. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of younger guys might still try and play the down and not really throw it up deep to try and draw that, uh, defensive pass interference, but one time, you know, we get we get the call down there, and it was a defensive pass interference. 
And then somehow on the other one, uh, Trey Cleveland comes up with that ball in double coverage, uh, which is a great catch. And uh, I just wanted to touch on that and really kind of touch on the IQ to make those football plays. Um, I do want to touch on uh, Trey Wolf. Um, you know, he struggled to start the game, actually. You know, his kickoffs were, I, I, I guess you said in the stadium, it didn't seem like there was any wind. It looked like he was kicking straight into the wind, could not get the ball even near the end zone um, early on there. And that could have just been kind of some early game like nerves, which, you know, those happen. But the way he responded um, to not only kick the game winner, but um, he kicked, what was it, a 45-yarder, I think, to send it to OT, really. I mean, it shouldn't have been to send it OT. It should have been to win the game. So essentially, to me, he kicked what what he probably thought were two game winners. Um, and that takes, you know, it takes a lot of grit to get through that especially for a kicker kicking is such a mental game so for him to start out his game maybe not the best with his his first couple of kickoffs but respond in the way he did uh, I think that shows a lot about you know it really just to me embodies what this whole new culture is um with the mental toughness uh he didn't let those kicks get to him he, he kicked, kicked it out of bounds once or twice but ultimately he um, he was able to get his head back on straight and really just make probably the two of the biggest plays of the game. So, um, you know, shout out to Trey Wolf. He uh, he he he's a really underrated guy too. Because if people remember, um, Garibay did take his job a couple years back, uh, but you know Trey Wolf stuck it out. He stayed with the program. He um, stayed for opportunities like this, and now he gets his time to shine just like Garibay did last year uh, in the Iowa State game. Um, Wolf has now had two extremely big moments, both against Houston uh, and against Texas, and you know that's just the start of this season. Who knows what you know the rest of the season is going to have, but uh, a guy like Trey Wolf has really been kind of the embodiment so far of the uh, very short Joey McGuire era. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, all right, so we'll go ahead and move forward here. Uh, it's Kansas State hate week, if you can call it that. Um, and, you know, I can't really bring it into my heart to hate Kansas State. Kendall, I know you might have a different opinion uh, maybe not on the school as a whole, but on a few uh, certain players that play there. Um, the running gag on this show, for those that are kind of newer to this, is that pretty much all of us other than Reed have a quarterback in the Big 12 that we think is just atrociously terrible. Uh, we think that they're just overrated and uh, have no business getting the love that they get. Um, for those that have been, uh, for those that have been listening for a while, you know that uh, Mike's is Max Duggan. He he's a real big Max Duggan hater. Um, mine is no secret to everyone. Mine is Spencer Sanders. I think Spencer Sanders is a joke. Um, but Kendall, are you are you are you comfortable in saying 
uh, right here and now that uh, yours is going to be Adrian Martinez? Um, I watched Adrian Martinez for four years at Nebraska being also a pretty big Iowa fan. Uh, I've watched him be the most inconsistent guy possibly in the nation. Like, you know, he has his games like he had at Oklahoma. That's not the first time he's done stuff like that. I mean, he has definitely exploded multiple other times. Like he's done it against Ohio State. Um, He had a couple games against Michigan and uh, Penn State, both where he – looked fantastic but he also has had so many games that he has just looked flat out awful and has been a turnover machine um he has had a ton of games that he turns the ball over at the worst possible times and um you know before yes he had 230 yards passing and 150 yards rushing against OU but just kind of looking at the three games before that um, to open the season against South Dakota, he had 53 yards passing. Um, against Missouri, a terrible, like one of the worst teams, um, one of the worst Power Five teams in the nation, Missouri. He had 101 yards and only had a 45% completions percentage. And against Tulane, where they lost 17 to 10, he had 150 yards and a touchdown. So, I personally think that Martinez. I don't think he's like necessarily the worst quarterback in the Big 12. I'm not going to go that far, but he is by far going to be the most inconsistent. He um he until he proves to me that he can play string together multiple games at the elite level, um I have no faith in the fact that he's going to do um anything of this like cuz if he plays the way he did against Oklahoma, he will be the Big 12 offensive player of the year, but I don't think he does. Um, I think that, uh, especially a defense like Tech, like the defenses that can, you know, cause a lot of mistakes, cause a lot of turnovers. Um, those are the defenses that typically get to him. Uh, you know, in the Big Ten, he struggled. I mean, his his worst games were really against, you know, uh, a team like Iowa that does cause a lot of turnovers and bait a lot of quarterbacks. And I think that um, Tech doesn't necessarily bait quarterbacks, but they do the way they've been defending. Um, they've been in very good positions to get multiple picks, uh, even against Texas. Even though we only came out with one pick, um, there was a lot of opportunities for a lot more. And I think um, another big thing about like the mobile aspect of him is against Texas, Tech wasn't prepared for you know Hudson Card to run the ball. Um, like the couple times he did in the second half, they're going to be more prepared for Adrian Martinez to run the ball. Um, they they were able to slow down Devin Leary. Um, Clayton Toon didn't do much on the ground. Uh, and I think that they'll be able to contain Adrian. And I, I just personally don't – he hasn't proven in his, in his five-year college career now, he has not proven that he can string together multiple games like he had against Oklahoma in a row. So – um, until he proves that he can do that, I have no faith that it's going to happen. You know, I I agree with that whole sentiment. I, I just don't see the consistency, um, even going back to his time at Nebraska. I, I always would watch those games and wonder if it was Scott Frost uh, that was holding him back. 
but you know, as you've pointed out, he's had games against teams that should be easy wins, uh, games where you know a high-powered quarterback should be putting up over 300 yards through the air uh, against against poor teams like Missouri um, and Tulane. Uh, those are games where you should be taking advantage of. Uh, I guess I should say lesser talent, and uh, that just didn't happen. Uh, in this one, though, again, in, in the most recent game against OU, uh, started out hot, kind of, kind of cooled off at the end, um, but the uh, average yards per completion was up. It was up to seven yards against Oklahoma. Uh, he ran the ball 21 times for 148 yards and four touchdowns. Um, to me, the only thing that the thing that sticks out to me is I just remember that long, the longer uh, I guess play where Hudson Card kind of rolled out and made the play. He scrambled and he ran for about. 20 yards, 20, 25 yards down the field against Tech. And it kind of makes me think of that. It makes me think of a defense that lose, loses contain. And I I don't know if you've seen any of the film from the uh, OU-Kansas State game, but there were a lot of times that I saw that OU lost contain on him. And it wasn't... Uh, and it wasn't happening, you know, once a drive. It was happening pretty much every single time he was rolling out. Um, they would bring, and they and they just wouldn't put a spy on him, which I thought was really strange. Also, I, like it, it just seemed to me that every all the problems that happened to Oklahoma in this game could have been solved with a defensive spy. Just sat him right in the middle. Whatever he, whatever Adrian Martinez does, you just mirror him. Uh, you know, if he looks like he's about to roll out and try and take off, you know, go tackle him. Uh, if he's going to sit back in the pocket and pass, you know, kind of sit there and just kind of mirror him, see if he make him throw the ball. And that's what I'd like to see from the defense this week. I'd like to see them force him to beat them deep. Um, you know, they have Malik Knowles, who is a good, I'm not going to diminish his ability. He's a good receiver. Uh, he's got speed. Um, they have, uh, oh God, what's that guy's name? Brooks, Philip Brooks. Uh, he's got some length on him. But other than that, you know, they really, other than the tight end, uh, Synod or whatever his name is, they really are just kind of one-dimensional in that terms. Um, obviously, they have Deuce Vaughn in the backfield who's going to, I think, as much as you can contain Martinez and Deuce Vaughn is is how close this game stays. Um, again, I'd like to see you force them to throw the ball deep. Um, say, you know what, go ahead. If you think you could beat us deep, go for it. But we're going to stack seven guys in the box because you're not going to run all over us like you did against Oklahoma. And, and I think a lot of these, I think some of these plays, I, I did watch some of the uh, Kansas State OU game. I think some of these plays are actually what look like the receivers are running routes, but they're all running routes to one side of the field against a man defense. And then they're just allowing it to where Martinez can just bail and take out to the wide side of the field and run for as many yards as he possibly can. Um, I know that's something I would do if I was calling plays there. Um, 
it and just you just got to make sure that you know that it's going to be against a man because if you run that against a zone uh then you're going to have to throw that ball and what could be to a crowded side of uh crowded side of the field over there um what are you looking for on defense for texas tech to make a difference in this game uh if you if you want to talk about scheme uh Who's who's an important player uh, for you in this one to kind of make a difference? Um, I don't have necessarily one specific player. I just think the front seven in general. Um, when you have two guys that can run the ball as good as both Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez on one team, uh, that that's a lot of elite running talent to have to contain. Um, and to me, you're not going to stop their rushing attack. Um, you can just hope to slow it down. It's one of those situations where, you know, <laughs> it's really funny. Tech is going up against their two toughest run games that they're going to see all season in Bijan Robinson and Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez back to back, which I'm very thankful we're getting them out of the way. But it's also brutal to have to go against those two back to back. Um but to me, what Tech did in the second half against Bijan, outside of that one forty-yard touchdown, um, they they stopped their run game for the most part. Uh, they, I mean, Hudson Card got away a couple times after the pocket collapse, but other than that, um, our defense was really stout in stopping the run game. Um, you know, Texas was trying to have longer sustained drives by running the ball. And uh, it just really didn't work for them. So um, I would say that if we can kind of mimic what happened there, um, I overall think that uh, we're going to have success if we can just slow down that run game in our front seven. It starts and ends with our front seven. We cannot, you know, leave it to our safeties to have to come up and make plays consistently. Um, the linebackers really need to step up, which I felt that they definitely did. Obviously, I mean, um, like you said, Merriweather forced that fumble against Bijan um, to start OT. They have to make big plays like that, and uh, I think they will. Uh, I truly think that our defense, um, it 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 would be one thing if it was just the Texas game uh, that our defense stepped up and made plays, but you know, it happened against Houston. It happened against NC State, and now it has happened against Texas. I think that's enough to consider our defense um, very good, if not great, to this point. Um, they have been one of the best defenses in the nation at stopping the run. So um, I have all the faith that our defense, and specifically our front seven, is going to be able to give them a challenge, and they are going to be kind of the X factors for our defense. I want to go over these stats with you real quick because I just pulled these up and I, I think it'd be interesting for everyone to hear and kind of take in to consume these stats and uh, under your own thoughts here. So Texas Tech leads the Big 12 in passing yards per game um, at 363 yards per game. Uh, next is Oklahoma State at 348. And those two are the only ones that have over 300 yards passing. Uh, averaging 300 yards passing per game. Uh, but here's the difference. Texas Tech has played Houston, who's supposed to be a good defense. 
uh, NC State, who has a good defense, and Texas, who is supposed to have a good defense. Oklahoma State has played Central Michigan and Arizona State, and I think they played someone else, uh, another junior high. But, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, to for Tech to be that far out ahead of everyone uh, in passing yards per game is is pretty impressive given the especially the last two opponents tech has played um i will say on uh defense tech is fourth in the big 12 in yards allowed per game at 327 um iowa state is first uh they have played absolutely no one um west virginia second uh they really haven't played anyone baylor is third their defense is for real uh, but we all knew that. Um, and fourth is Tech right there. So Tech's even ahead of Kansas State in yards allowed per game. Uh, so these are some interesting stats. Um, if you want to go overall yards per game on offense, Tech is fifth, uh, and that's behind both Oklahoma schools, TCU and West Virginia. Again, TCU has also played a terrible non-conference schedule they played tarleton state who just got up to d1 this year or last year um they played colorado who is safe to say is the worst power five team and it's not really close uh and i think they played who they who else did they play i can't even remember who else they played it's not even worth it um that's that's how bad their um their non-conference slate was but i'll say this I think that this game this past week and this game this week has Tech in a positive positive space. Um, I think that overall this is a pretty winnable game. Um, I don't. I, I want to agree with you. I don't think Adrian Martinez can string together multiple performances like he played against OU. Um, I will get your thought on this. As much as I hate to say it, and I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer on this episode today, but it's just it's a, it's a legitimate question that we all should have. Um, the same thing that can be said about Adrian Martinez can also kind of be said about Donovan Smith so far this year. Uh, Donovan Smith was turning the ball over like it was going out of style um, before the Texas game. So, how confident are you that Donovan Smith can take this Texas performance and string it together, string along multiple uh, good performances where he doesn't turn the ball, not necessarily looking for big stat games, just staying clean on the turnover sheet? Um, I think that as far as the turnovers, um, last season, although he didn't perform great in a lot of games, he also was not even close to turnover prone. It's almost like he was a little too conservative, which led to not having many turnovers. Um, I felt that he, you know, the first, the Houston and the NC state game, um, he did turn the ball over. I think was it three picks in each game or something like that. But the, the big thing about those games, I mean, NC state, the offense did get really stagnant, but Overall, I didn't feel like those picks straight up lost us those games. I mean, Houston, it obviously didn't lose us that game. We were still able to pull out a win, and he really redeemed himself uh, in that game. But the NC State game, um, it definitely could have been better. But I also felt like the play calling 
did not do Donovan any favors in that NC State game to help him with his consistency. And I think if this game against K-State, we need some better play call. And I, I think that maybe in that non-conference, especially against Houston and NC State, um, I felt like maybe Kitley was just trying to preserve some of his playbook so that there wouldn't be a lot on film going into um, the conference slate because everyone knows that Joey McGuire really has preached how important um, competing in the Big 12 is. So I do think that's a possibility and we'll really find out against K-State when we see what the play calling's like. But um, I think just in general, I'm, I am going to expect – uh, just as good of a performance, like maybe not on the stat sheet, like you said, but just um, I don't. We don't need Donovan to be some world beater because uh, you know Taj Brooks and Roderick Thompson aren't going to be bottled up um, consistently like they were for the most part of the Texas game. Like they will find holes eventually, and I think that they will find holes against uh, you know against Kansas State because. Oklahoma was able to move the ball fairly easily at times against them. And I think uh, Tech is going to be able to find opportunities to do that too, especially if their pass game um, is working the way they did against Texas. I think that'll open up a lot for the run game as the game goes on. So um, I expect Donovan, you know, the thing is you with quarterbacks, especially at the college level, uh, some bad decisions are going to happen. A pick is going to happen here and there, but um, it's the way that he's going to like, he needs to bounce back from those types of plays. And, um, against Houston, he did a great job against NC state. It was a little iffy, but, um, the play calling, like I said, wasn't great after those picks, especially, I felt like we went way too conservative. Um, but you know, it's a whole new season. Now when big 12 play hits, it is just a completely new season. So I'm kind of just saying scrap, you know, Scrap kind of not necessarily what we watched in the non-conference, but like, you know, scrap our thoughts on that because this is kind of where that new season starts. And I think this is where we can start to really evaluate Donovan and it can't be happening at a better time because, you know, Tyler Shuck is starting to work his way back to being healthy. And this is these next couple games are going to be a good, you know, evaluation time to see, um, you know, can he be consistent? And if not, I mean, we have uh, a guy in Tyler Shuck that's going to be ready and waiting that I think can also, I think there is going to probably be a quarterback controversy no matter what when he comes back. But um, we're going to see what Donovan really has. And the season isn't like doomed if he does necessarily struggle. So um, it's just kind of watch and wait and see what really happens. I want to touch with one more thing on you before we get to our picks. Um, Eric Gray is the main running back for Oklahoma. He transferred from Tennessee last year. Um, he ran for 114 yards on 16 carries uh, against Kansas State. Uh, Dylan Gabriel ran seven, scrambled seven times for 61 yards. That's almost nine yards of scramble. Um, Marcus Major, the backup for Eric Gray, ran nine times for 37 yards. All four or all three of those averages, I should say, are over four yards a carry. Is there something to be said about this K State defense? Is there a weakness on this front seven for K State defense? I feel like looking at those stats, you know, 
it's it's a possibility. I don't want to suggest that our line is as big and as good as Oklahoma's offensive line is because it's just not the truth. Um, but you know, if if we're if we're really looking at possibilities uh, in terms of uh, just other ways to attack this team, is the running game a viable option? Like, can we can we sit there and hand the ball off to uh, Sir Roderick Thompson, Taj Brooks? You know, a combined. 35 40 times and uh just kind of like if the arrogant if the passing game's not working you know is this run game uh do you think it's a viable option uh to sit back and just ram it down their throats and you know hold do you know do those uh 17 18 play drives that take 10 minutes off clock i do um you know our best drives against texas were those uh drives where we really just worked it slowly and methodically down the field. Um, you know how I can't remember the exact number of fourth down conversions. Was it nine of them? I think uh, like that's the brand of football that Joey McGuire wants to play. And that, that comes with extended drives. And we, I think that Texas game really proved that that works. Cause you know, as much as I hate to like ever talk somewhat decent about UT I will say that I I don't think this is like the same type of UT team that we saw last year I do think that Texas team is going to be decent um I don't think it's going to be some like five and seven team I think that well just in general every big 12 team is going to be competitive but um that Texas team showed especially against Bama that they're going to compete and like they they're a very solid squad so I think the way I'm looking at it right now, and I've watched the rest of the Big 12 pretty closely, I think that um, if we can have those types of drives against a te- like against Texas, I think that we can have those types of drives against a lot of teams, especially granted the fact that, you know, we had those – our offense was able to control that type of – those types of drives consistently in just absolutely insane heat, which is so much more difficult – than a lot of people will really give credit for um, that. Like playing in that type of heat is just, you don't know how bad it really is until you actually experience it. Like you saw, especially towards the end of the game, Texas player, Texas was swapping in different defensive linemen. Literally. It seemed like every single play they were rotating defensive linemen because like they were just so worn out from that heat. And the fact that, you know, our offense was able to keep having those drives, those sustained drives and those slow methodical drives. Um, I think basically my mindset on it is if we can do it in that, in those types of situations, I think we can do it consistently in a lot of other types of situations. So, um, you know, I'm going to def- like, I'd like to hear your thoughts too, but I do think that this offense is definitely the type of offense that can play that brand of football. So I, I truly think that that Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks are in the top six backs in the Big 12. Uh, I, I think that uh, the only other school that has two up there is also going to be um, is Texas. Uh, B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson are, are both extremely talented, as we saw this past week. Uh, there are a couple times that we had both of them dead to rights in the backfield, and they ended up uh, getting out of it and gaining four or five yards. Um, I think Deuce Vaughn is up there on that list, and I think Eric Gray is up there on that list. Um, 
I, I don't mean any disrespect to any other running backs. Uh, I just I just truly think that um, that those those uh, guys that I named are just truly uh, head and shoulders above the rest in the Big Twelve Conference. Um, I do think that we can sustain longer drives, and it and it was proven. You know, Texas defense, it, yeah, it was hot, um, and it, it won't be as hot for this game in Manhattan, but. Um, there were multiple people um, pointing out from what I read and what I heard about in the press box. Um, you know, there were people making the comment of just how much better conditioned tech was than Texas this past weekend. And, and I think that condition to me, in my mind, I was always brought up when I was playing sports all the time when I was growing up was the fact that if you're, if you're better conditioned, you just have a better chance of winning. And, and I truly think that that's what this team has. I think they have a better chance of winning because they're going to be better conditioned than a lot of Big 12 teams. I think you saw that in the Texas game. I also think you saw a whiff of arrogance from the Texas side. Like, like you know, we're Texas. We have four- and five-star recruits. Well, it didn't matter. Um, I think Kansas State is more on our level in terms of recruits, you know, and uh, talent. I think it's pretty. It's pretty similar. It's pretty uh, neck and neck when it comes to talent level. Um, I, I do think that Tech can control the game by time of possession, and I think you will almost see Zach Kitley defer to that same style of offense just because of how much of a better position it put Tech in against Texas at home. It just felt like to me that that anytime you looked up, Tech had the ball, and when Texas did. Either they were going, they were running less than ten play or less than you know seven plays and punting. Um, and the times they weren't punting and they were scoring, yeah, it was quick, but those those mistakes got fixed. So I, so it's really just interesting to me. Uh, I'm just I'm just going to be really interested to see what Zach Kitley decides to do. Um, there are a lot of options. And, you know, if we turn around this week and we come out and we score 56 points and our average length of a drive is three minutes, then the worst thing that could come about that is that we know we have an offense that can do both. And that, that's, a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good problem to have when you don't know if you'd rather uh, go up-tempo or burn 12 minutes of clock at the time. But being able to do both would be huge. Um, We'll move on to picks. I'll let you go first. Um, what did you What did you pick in the preseason? Did you pick us to lose this in the preseason? And has your mind changed? Um, coming into this game, I think I did have us losing this game just because it seems like Tech always really struggles playing um, in Manhattan. I don't know why, but uh, just a fun little fact: the last time that. You know, we beat Texas at home, was back in 08. And the last time we beat uh, Kansas State in Manhattan was back in 08. So um, I I do think my stance has kind of changed. I don't – it's really hard to say right now if I think we can – if we're going to flat out win it because um, I think it's going to be a really, really close competitive game just because um, both teams are coming off that big win against – Oklahoma and Texas alike, but also this isn't Kansas State's first time recently beating Oklahoma. They've um, they've done it 
like I think what like three of the last four years or something. But they've also um, faltered after those uh, wins. So uh, they just like, and people are forgetting just the week before they beat OU, they just lost to Tulane at home. So it's not like K State is these some big world beaters. It's they they came out really good against OU, but they've also shown that they can come out really flat. So um, I, I am going to pick Tech to win this game. I think that they're going to come out, um, you know, really fired up. I don't think Joey's going to let them uh, sit there and be satisfied with just a win over Texas, like you heard in his post game speech. If you listen to it, um, he said, you know, they didn't care that they beat Texas. They care that they'll want to know in the Big Twelve. Um, and now this is your chance to go to two and zero in a wide open conference that. Um, really, at this point, anyone can make it to um, Arlington. That that could mean, you know, OU, Texas. Th- that could mean effing Kansas at this point. Like, obviously, you know, this is the most wide open the conference has been um, possibly since it went to 10 teams. So um, I think Tech is going to come out ready. Um, I think that... This is going to be one of those like 31 to 27 types of games, and I'm going to pick Tech to win. I don't mean to brag on myself, but I'm going to do it anyway. I had picked Tech to start the year 4-1, and one, and everyone looked at me like I was crazy. And uh, I had people in my DMs telling me I was stupid. Uh, I had people in my DMs telling me that there was no point that Tech would go one and four to start this season. Um, I think Tech. I stand by my comments. I think Tech goes four one. I think Tech wins this game, um, and because it's a ranked team, uh, I think we do it in overtime. Tech seems to have a good track record against ranked teams in overtime this year. Um, I, I picked it. Uh, in a similar score to you, actually, I picked thirty-one to twenty-eight, uh, thirty-one to twenty-eight on the road, and um, I like that score. Maybe a thirty-four to thirty-one uh, seems kind of more the pace, possibly. Um, but I will say this: you know, at at the start of this, we had Houston and NC State for our ranked games, and you know, farther down the road, you run into some in conference play, but. Uh, this will be the fourth straight game that Tech has played against a ranked opponent. And unless Baylor beats Oklahoma State this weekend by a score of like 49 to nothing, uh, we'll play at Stillwater next week in another ranked game. So um, Tech will probably most likely uh, play five straight ranked opponents. Um, If you can come out of that, if, if you can come out of that stretch three and two against against uh, five ranked opponents, that is just incredible, and uh, it sets you up really nicely for a bowl. Uh, you have the bye week after Oklahoma State, then you have West Virginia at home, and then Baylor at home the week after that um, at what I think is a mediocre TCU team um, at home against Giant Slayers Kansas, and then at Iowa State and at home finishing the year against Oklahoma. Um, you know, everyone thought that Kansas would be at the, at the head of this conference after four games. I, I, <laughs> I, I really 
can't imagine. I think they're over under in Vegas on the win total this year was three and a half. So if you took if you put money on them winning over three and a half games, I mean, congrats, you already got your money and we're four games in. Um, so I, I do think that Tech wins this one. I, I, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with 31 28. Um, I just don't see Adrian Martinez stringing together multiple games like that, and I think that this defense can uh, keep this running game for Kansas State in check. Uh, I don't think they really have that deep threat other than Malik Knowles to go over the top, and um, I, I just I think it comes down to contain. If you can contain, Deuce Vaughn is going to have you know a good amount of rushing yards because they're liable to hand it off to him twenty five times. If you can keep it, if you can contain it. Um, I'm not even going to give a yardage, um, but you know if you can keep it manageable, uh, I think Tech wins this game because uh, there's really nothing on their defense that has really jumped out at me um, other than they tackle pretty well. Other than that, you know, uh, their scheme doesn't wow me. Uh, there's not really that individual playmaker on their, on their, in their secondary. Um, I know I know a couple of safeties have two picks, but I mean that's really it. Um, so I just really think that there's nothing that wows me. So I'm gonna say other than you know Adrian Martinez possibly and uh, Deuce Vaughn always does. So um, I'm gonna take Tech here, 31 to 28. Um, Kendall, any last thoughts on this game before uh, before we sign off? Only thing I'm gonna say is. I have watched Adrian Martinez play in four games against one of my favorite, um, you know, a college football team that I cheer for in Iowa, and he lost all four of those games. So I am technically 4-0 against Adrian Martinez, and I look forward to making it 5-0. and That's all I got on that one. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to wind down here. Um, look for Kendall and I's article coming out either tomorrow or Friday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, so either uh, Thursday or Friday this week with our picks for the upcoming Week 5 slate. Uh, also, keep an eye out on Viva the Matadors for all of our other articles coming out. Um, and Have a good day. Uh, let's get to 4-1. Why not us? Thanks. Wreck them. <laughs>